are listening to Going Direct, presented by Cal Fire Local 2881, a podcast for the Cal Fire family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Going Direct. I'm Kelly Boyles, the Communications Director for Cal Fire Local 2881, and I'm so excited for today's episode. This is part two of the podcast takeover for chapter directors Jordan Moda and Sean Edwards interview President Tim Edwards. If you haven't had the chance, go back and listen to the previous episode to hear the first part of the conversation. We hope you enjoy. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. A lot of fire departments don't have what we have yeah. in retirement. As you, you both went to the CPF convention and you saw they were trying to push legislation that would allow them to have access to Medicare because they don't get lifetime you know, benefits for medical, you know, so they want to get Medicare at early age. So our retirement, you know, it, it is a benefit, but it comes with the cost too. You, you take a little less in your pocket. To well, have but we're trying to get all these raises. We're trying to yeah. look like local G. So then the more we try and look like local G, is that also going to be reflective on the back end or on our retirement? Or is that already happening with the 2757, the 25 years for 80% vested, all that stuff? Well, anybody involved in CalPERS, no matter what department they're in, has that. Yeah. And not every department's involved with CalPERS. They have, you know, their own little county retirement systems and city retirement systems that they're involved in. But what, yeah, as we want to be more like a department, there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to look at, like what does other departments do? How do they do vacation? How do they do different things? So we dance through those little nuances to make sure we keep what we have. And you know what I mean, as we want gain, we don't want to lose either. And it's very hard because people, yeah, we want to be like them, but be careful asking what you want to be like. Right. Because I will tell you if anybody knows anything, cities, employees will always make more than county employees. County employees will always make more than state employees. That's just how the money is divided up. There's more local money in different ways. So if we expect that we're going to be paid like in Ontario, LA City, LA County, I'm going to tell you right now, we're never going to be paid equal to them. But can we be paid Close to them and with the benefits that we have, yes. Can we work a duty week like them? Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's the key point, right? That's why one of the things coming out of the convention was to achieve the 56-hour duty week with no loss in compensation. Yeah. So what's that mean? And as to me, loss in compensation is anything that has to do with our retirement too. So there's a fine dance on achieving what some people may think. Now, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to be factual. If you think you're going to get a 56-hour duty week and get 5000 more a month, then we're going to sit here and tell you you're full of chicks. That's never going to happen. And if that's yeah. what you believe and you have the magic bullet, come up here and do it. Yeah. Now, if we can achieve the 56-hour duty week and, you know, at least take into consideration cost of living expenses and colas and all that and keep what we, you know, have yeah. at a salary range, then we're good. If we can stay within 25 or 30%, I think we're doing good with the 56-hour duty week. Well, and everybody's hiring right now. Everybody is hiring right now. Yeah. So we ought to at least have a level playing field. Everybody's hiring. They're making more and working less. Hmm, where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? <laughs> and especially in so, a paramedic classification where there's such a shortage of them. Yeah. They're jumping. I mean, there's people leaving LA City to go to other departments. I mean, we're not the only department 
losing paramedics right now. I talked to multiple presidents. Mm-hmm. Even Ontario, which is a high-paying department, is losing them to go to places that are going to pay more. It's just their the medic classification right now is so at will with every department. Let's do it, Jordan. You know, let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm let's staying. Let's go where. So, <laughs> I'm staying. But, me too. Like I said, sometimes the grass isn't always greener because some of those yeah. guys leave and don't have, you know, yeah, what we have. A couple months ago, Tim, uh, we were kind of offline having a sidebar conversation, and you said, I, I had asked you, hey, where are we at with negotiations? You know, because it was time, you know, that the contract's coming due. It was back in February, March, something like that. And you said, well, we, we approached the state, and we said, hey, we're, we're, we're ready to sit down. And you expressed our, our intentions, you know, to, to open the contract and, and what our priorities are. And they had told you, I think the quote was, well, then everything's on the table. Mm-hmm. And you said, okay, everything's yeah. on the table. That's We want a new contract. Let's do it. Can you provide any update at all with where we are with bargaining and negotiations and, and what's on the table? And just for all intents and purposes, today's July 11th, 2022. <laughs> yeah, and if you follow contracts over the years, they never get done yeah. overnight. No. Well, that Start, wasn't a pun. That you know, a- I know. So the, the bargaining team has met. They pushed a proposal across the table to CalHR. They're waiting for a response back from that proposal from CalHR to see what it is. But, yeah, when you open this contract and you go into full contract negotiations, every one of those sections is open for them to change. Right. You know, Everything in that blue book. Everything, everything in, in that blue book. And when they come to the table, they come to the table looking to change things that will save them money. You know, one of the things that has always come up is hotel rooms. That's like always a hot topic to go away with hotel rooms. There's always different things to change the vacation formula. There's always things that come up that's going to benefit the state of California that we have to fight off to keep what we have, but then gain. I think what some people should realize is in one of the contracts, some people thought, well, we got shit. We got only 4%. And this is one back in like 2010 or something like that. What they didn't realize is I would say there's 90% of the departments that when you burn a vacation or a holiday, you have to make that time back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were able to save that because they took it away from every other entity. And we were able to save that. So those are the things when you're at the table, you're looking at keeping at the same time, you know? I hear a lot that like, well, we don't have any bargaining chips, you know, we can't strike, no binding arbitration. It's just, we take it, we take what is given. The state has the keys to the house. We want in, but we can't force the door. We got to let, we got to have them let us in. I mean, what, what, you know, other than, I mean, I know what you do. And I, part of this podcast is also like just educational for but, you know, how do you, I mean, it's the long game, right? It's the relationship building. But, I mean, what clock do we have at the table? Well, I think, I think you pretty much summed it up. We, we don't have that magic bullet chip that we can walk in and say do it. What we have is our voices. And we've been very um, successful over the last few years using our voices and being out there. I think you've seen more um, news releases, more press releases, more everything about our, our well, issues yeah, that no, we're I, having. I've seen that because information that, more for sure. Yeah, because that eventually gets to the policymakers. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we have to deal with the administration who controls the purse strings. And you, I think you said something that's very important and is relationships. 
And if you look at CHP, they had John Hamm, which was 25 years that he built a relationship with the people over at the Capitol because, you know, people at the Capitol circulate. They're, yeah. they're never gone. Term limits. Yeah. But they circulate back around somewhere. Even in labor relations, labor relations will always circle back. You look at ours. She left Cal Fire. We had one that left Cal Fire. Now she's in Cal HR. We had one get fired from Cal Fire. She was with Cal HR. They all circle back. So it's all about relationships. And now you have Carrie over at CHP um, who's been there a while, and she has that relationship. We are put at a disadvantage because we – two-year terms, bargaining teams change out, and you're creating all new faces on our side, you know. And when you we have a change out in CalHR and you have two new faces, you're basically starting from ground zero every time. Um, I don't want to – I'll say this, and I'll say this in a way because I don't want to sound anything, but I think we've been – I've been fortunate that I did come from the rank-and-file position. So I built those relationships that yeah. are now carrying over into this, right? Yeah. And I think that's what's kept us in a good momentum right now, mm-hmm. you know. But at any given day, you guys could vote me out. Not today. But, <laughs> but what I'm See saying is. See how the new contract goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's the longevity. I mean. it, but then that relationship will need to be built over again, right? Oh, and so even at your guys at the local level, because you said it earlier, that guy at the – Fire district, yeah. yeah, maybe never had one of our union officers ever walk into it. Yeah. And that's what we're stressing most, even among our union officers, is build that relationship. Because yeah. that relationship is what's going to play out. The Dodd bill this last year was huge because of the relationship that Pete Manoa built with them back in the day when he ran for city council. And then we got him elected to the legislators, and we were able to have him change language that. The EIDL. Well, EIDL, and then also put millions of dollars into Cal Fire's coppers for stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, that he was going to give the OES because he was pissed at the department. Yeah. But it took a relationship building Pete Manoa for, you know, the last 15 years with yeah. him to, to have that conversation. Like, hey, we've been with you, you know. Yeah. And so you have to build those relationships at the local level. And I, I met with the PAC last week because i don't know if you guys know there's been some changes on the PAC committee well i heard so tom, yeah tom gardner was removed from PAC president we were just in the PAC pl- class jordan and i three four weeks ago three or four weeks ago and uh now he's not the the PAC president that's all i know well i don't want to bad mouth tom tom is you know was a president of this union uh did a lot for this union but we had a uh, some philosophical differences on how where we should be going um i felt that there was a a need to start looking at the future and bringing in some future mentality of where we need to go and how we need to address things and at the end of the day i'll just say this none of us not me not pete not none of us has the authority to do anything outside of what the members put into that contract or in our constitution and bylaws. Right, right. Serve at the ple- pre- ple- serve at the pleasure of the president. So pleasure. At, pleasure? The, at the end of the day, even me, I work for the board. Yeah. You know, outside the duty says that I, I operate on I wouldn't say independent, but on a daily basis when the board's not in places, but I'm still working for the board and by the membership on what the direction they have set for me to operate here at this level. Yeah. 
And I truly believe in that. And if people get above where they don't believe in that, then it's time for a change. And yep. none of us are above water on that. And um, I just felt that we were at a point where we need to be looking at some different things. We need to be doing some different things. And one of those different things is once we wrap up this contract is we need to solely start focusing on our contracts. And our PAC money needs to be more pushed into the local level so we can get more active there. We need to be more active there and yeah. going forward. And I believe that if there's an event at a chapter or district level, the only faces that should be there are the people that are going to be interacting with those politicians on a daily basis. So if it's a city council, that chapter director should be there at those events. Yeah, should be there no matter what it takes. If it's a district, then that district VP should be there at that level. Yeah, and we need to be more involved there because those are the relationships that are going to create the changes within those. And at the end of the day, that takes money and it takes time. Well, we have money. It's the time because everybody's stuck on. So. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, there's there's six officers in BEU right now, yeah. and there's six contracts, and so hey, each one of us has a district. I can't do it all. No. So you all got one and do it. But I also, I, I can't because for the last six years, I have been trying to do everything mm -hmm. and a family and a job yeah. and all this other stuff and things. And you just can't. So you have to delegate, but you also, you just empower your people. And, but at the end, you know, if it's not getting done, well then shit, you know, I, it, it needs to get done. And if you're going to be an officer, a sworn officer, and be assigned this and take this responsibility and not do anything. Well then, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, we still work for these guys, you yeah. know, and it's really hard to go to bat with them. Yeah. Well, we are a unique bargaining unit within the state of California because we contract. CHP doesn't contract. Corrections doesn't contract. Caltrans doesn't contract. DMV doesn't contract. None, none, none of these people contract. So when they go to the table and they, they're doing all their stuff here, they're solely based on all state stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we, we have a lot more that we have to cover. Yeah. You know, and a lot more ground we have to cover at different levels, which creates a huge workload for everybody. So you talked about, it was John Hamm with CHP from all yeah. those days. So he was kind of like the pioneer for, for the CHP, you know, uh, bargaining and all that stuff. So our pioneer would be Ron Bywater. Yeah. So is with that do you see just going back is there anything that like you know john ham may have set up for chp that maybe we wish i don't know i mean i you know i don't want to speak ill will of him but is there something that maybe if we would have done early on by ron bywater that would have made you know the setup to where we are now different yes i'd have to understand in, in your concept thinking because they negotiate just like we we negotiate. The well, only difference is example one one position one classification. Yeah, would that have been even possible back in the day? Something like that? No, because they we we don't have it. What do you? Everybody's I, a well, everybody's a no. firefighter. But everybody's on top a firefighter. Of that, you're a dozer operator, and yeah. you're a helicopter pilot, or like, or you're an engineer, or you're a captain, or you're a medic, or you're hazmat. You know these, all these different, or you're LEs. You know we have so many different classifications. Yeah. How do you how do you encompass those all into one? Right. I don't know. It's you can't. You I can't. Think, I, I think putting everybody on the one clock kind of set us up for something potentially like that. Yeah. Where you bargain for the bottom and raise everybody with it, but I don't know if it can be done because of all the specialty classes that we have. 
I think the the difference between CHP where they have the advantage is they're able to generate their own revenue and their their own line budget item. They're not in the general fund like we are. We're they're not fighting against all, you know, twenty five yeah twenty five other pools trying to go for the same dollar. I think that's where they they hold the supreme advantage is generating the revenue that we don't generate. So they have that bargaining chip over us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they have patrol officer right. And they get all their money from DMV fees, right. registration. Um, we don't have that. Start and charging for LE 100s. <laughs> Dude. <I'm> <laughs> and maybe we'll actually start having people do it now. But, you know, that, <laughs> if you listen to that podcast, it hurts them, too, because reality is when the state, people still paid their registration for the majority, I should say, still right. paid their registration, but he still made them take a pay cut. You know? Wow. Because <laughs> they, they believe in treating every bargaining unit the same in some way, shape, or form. Um, but you brought up a very good point about one thing is we fight over 25 cents of a dollar. And if you take a dollar that comes in the tax, 33 cents of it goes automatically to schools. Another 30 something goes to uh, special pet peeve things. And then you have Medicare. At the end of the day, there's 25 cents left over for state employees out of every dollar. Wow. And 25 bargaining units. So basically it's one cent per bargaining unit. Got to stretch that penny. And we're, well, we're trying to get more than that, right? We want three cents out of that 25 cents that but, we're fighting for. at the same time, $70 billion surplus? Come on. I know. Come on. Come on. I know. Yeah. I, I will tell you this. <laughs> I, I get sick of hearing one-time money. Yeah. I get sick of hearing one-time money. What does that even one mean? Time money. So the way it's been presented to me, I mean, in a way, it makes sense, but it doesn't. And I'll tell you my response to this is you go and you get a $10,000 check. You don't go buy a $60,000 car because you're going to have to make payments on that, right? But you don't have the money to make the payments. So you don't run out and buy a $60,000 car. You buy a $10,000 car because you don't have to make the payments. That's a one-time money in their theory, right? So that they have a billion dollars extra this year doesn't mean they're going to have a billion dollars extra next year. So they're not going to commit a billion dollars next year and the year after and the year after. That's their thought process, one-time money. Well, the economy was shut down. Businesses were freaking closed. And they still took in billions of dollars. Even if there's a slowdown, businesses aren't going to be closed. So are they trying to tell me they're not going to take in just as much tax revenue than they did when they were shut down and they can base it off of that? I can understand this year where there was a big influx, more money, but I, I think there's enough to commit something going forward to a little bit more. I, Our, I, 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 I hear you saying that and I'm looking over your shoulder at the sign on the wall. California's independent salary report says Cal Fire firefighters are 30 to 90% underpaid. And I, and I just think that it echoes perfectly with what you're saying, that year after year, you're telling me there's not going to be a surplus, that you can't afford to pay our guys what they earn, yeah. what they deserve, especially yeah. when you're asking them to work a 5-2 or 30 days in a row. The, yeah. Well, I will tell you, to go to a 56-hour duty week is a, is a huge, huge, huge chunk of change to commit. But I have looked them um, at the highest level, in the eye and told them it's an investment that's going to pay off well into the future. 
to invest in it today. Absolutely. For the health and safety of not just our members, but with every aspect that's going on. And at some point in time, they need to give up on on the concept of one-time money and just make that investment. But that's what we deal with. That's the mentality we deal with over here, you know. And then you take into consideration every one of those elected officials have their own projects and pet peeves yeah. out of their areas that they're fighting for money for too, right? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, another uh, hot topic question that comes out of the, the chat group that's kind of been going on a lot lately, and I've dealt with it, but kind of handled it our own way. Uh, do we own our shifts? You know, that's one I will tell you I have had multiple conversations with our attorney on. Everybody likes to look at the Riverside Agreement, which was a court order which guaranteed their specific thing in owning their own shift. What was the history on that? About what timeline? That was, oh, shoot, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. And what was happening is just what's going on throughout the state. You know, the unit chief or division chief will come in and say, you know what, you're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, today, guess what? Next month I'm putting you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, deal with it. And then three months later, change you again. So the union took it on. I think the misstep of the union then was not to file it as a class action. And they filed it just specifically based on Riverside. When I took office, I decided that was never going to be the thing again, that everything would be filed as a class action because what's in that contract is good from no matter if you're freaking in San Diego or in Lassen Modoc. The contract's a contract. So LNU came about, the first big test. And we won in an arbitration that they couldn't arbitrarily change their shift. And I thought, okay, we took it. We filed it with the court to make to solidify it. And I believed our attorneys had done enough to do it. And then San Diego comes around, and all of a sudden, no. The department took a position that was only for LNU. It only had to deal with BCs in LNU. Good God. What the hell, man? Which is repeating a fire. But you know what the sad part about it and the reality about it is? We lost. And the arbitrator agreed with them that that was only LNU. And so we had to arbitrate San Diego. So we won yeah. San Diego in a separate arbitration. But now they're saying it's only good for San Diego. And at some point in time. Why, that, why do we keep fighting the same fight when a battalion chief to a firefighter is all the same rank and file classification? You know what? All I, up and down the state. <laughs> I had a very open conversation with our attorney and his partner at our last board meeting where I felt the same way. What in the hell? is not happening when we're filing this that is allowing us to keep fighting the same battle. And, you know, and they like to say, well, each case has got its own little nuance. And I'll tell you, I'm not an attorney. So I'm not going to tell them their thought process is 100% wrong, but to me that's bullshit. If we win a section 7.12 of the MOU, 7.12 applies to everybody from freaking Oregon to Mexico. I don't know why it can be a contribute can be – thought about that it doesn't apply to these specific people because they're in MMU. Well, I mean, I could see, because I filed a couple of grievances in my tenure here, and, you know, every situation is a little different. And I get it. Like, if you got to change my shift based on operational need, look, if it's going to prevent force hires in a different area or whatever, then so be it. I recently had 
There was several, uh, you know, folks. I mean, we're down about 50% paramedic staffing in just one battalion alone. And um, so there was going to be some shift movements. And, you know, management, you know, kind of presented an idea. And I said, okay, well, are they going to move back? What's the sunset date? I'm like, you know what? Screw this. And I called each one of those guys. Hey, this is what's going on. They're going to move you. Once we get some new people in here, we'll move you back. And one guy was like complete opposite end of the week. He said, okay, yeah, I'm cool with that. So, I mean, would that be all right? But if, but what if that guy is not cool with that? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. But I, I, I also, mean, but doesn't management, I mean, I get it. Look, I, I, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. You can kick my ass afterwards. No, you but can. I, I, I get it that, you know, Hey, we got a job to do. We got to manage some shit around here. We got to move possibly people over, but you know, is it arbitrary? Like, what does that mean? Or like, you know, can you do it like to punish me? Obviously not, but I, you know, I don't know. I just, where does the whole section, what is it? Section four. One of my chiefs, like, Whoa, 4.1. 4.1. 4.1. 4.1. 4.1. all the time. Management's rights. Management's rights. Oh yeah. So what the hell's I want to be very clear about something. Management has the right to do a lot of stuff operational needs. What we win on all the time is they don't they don't arbitrarily give the right up to meet and confer on it. So they have to meet and confer on the union. They can come to the union. We meet and confer. At the end of the day, that's what they end, that's what they end up with. You know what I mean? But that's where we win our arbitrations. Is the department fails to meet and confer with the union on it and and plead their case. What does meet and, and confer? What does that and mean? And I would because be. Well, I, I'm going to tell I, you first off because I'd be very careful. Direct dealing. Right. Direct dealing. Yeah, for I know. you for for you saying what you did, you you, you don't have the I know. authority to do that. I know, but dude, but it's you know like what? Every Here's day, though, like, Here's what am thing. I supposed to do? Here's the thing: I don't have the authority to do that. Well, but Peter Bachter doesn't have the authority. What, to do which that. means they don't have the authority either, right? Exactly. But they're doing it, and that's the problem. We all have to come to the table under meet and confer with CalHR because CalHR and the governor owns this contract, not the department. Yeah. We own it, and CalHR owns it, not the department. So they have to come and meet and confer. And the department can come to a meet and confer, which means you have CalHR, you have our labor attorney, you have the rank-and-file director, you have a representative from labor, and usually when it's a meet and confer on a certain subject, we bring in a chapter director, and, and there's union. And you come and you meet, and they have to lay out their operational need. And they can make a very good case for an operational need, and there what would be nothing is, we would do. What is operational need? Can, can you find well, that definition kinda, in the blue book? Well, that's just it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's where every time. An operational need is not because we're short on staffing. Right. That's not an operational need. But if you have freaking 20,000 fires going on and you need to move people around to staff equipment that you have in to do it, that is a legitimate operational need, right? Right. Yeah. Not just because, oh, not because we, there's we a fail- vacancy. Yeah. Because we failed to staff appropriately right. is not an operational need. And we will argue that all the time. And in the contract, it allows them to move you two times. Yeah. There and back. There and back. Right. It doesn't in the same pay period. In, in 28 days. Right. Yeah, 28 yeah. days. Don't forget that part. So, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, it goes back to what I've been saying from the very beginning. None of us. This contract, what is in this contract, was put in there by members that were voted on things and resolutions they have put it in there. None of us have the authority to change it at any given time. So unless it's brought through a resolution or through negotiations based on resolutions. So all of us have to be very careful. And I'll, I'll highlight this because you said something why don't we force a 14-day and a 21-day? Because unfortunately, right now, we have a thing in our contract that says that we cannot deny someone the ability to work overtime, too, who may want to. Yeah. 
now does that section need to uh, well they can go back to the unit and pick up all the overtime they want i don't can know it, but does that section need to be changed maybe but can I change it? No, because you know why? There's not a resolution that says to go ahead and do that. No, for sure. And I you think know. I've been very <laughs> guilty, and I'll just say it out loud. I hope Cal HR is listening. My name is Sean Edwards, and I have been doing direct dealing in BEU for a long time. And I just, I don't know. You know, look, man, stuff comes up. All right, let's let's figure this out. But I, I did have a big, huge learning lesson in this. We you know, we've been using in time scheduling system for, you know, years without having any kind of procedure with this on how to actually fill overtime and all that stuff. We were working on this. We mean me and the last three unit chiefs. And we finally kind of came together and put at least something on paper, but it was a pretty significant way of how overtime was assigned, how overtime was forced and here I am, just a lone little chapter director, doing some pretty hardcore direct dealing. So that procedure is out and happening. There was no meet and confer. So what does that mean? Means it's not legit. So it's just did it. So we can use it or not use it or whatever. I hope my boys well, are listening back home because they don't like it. Well, <laughs> here, here's what it means: is someone could file a grievance. Uh, yeah, and, and then we would have to fight it. And then what the unit chief will say: Well, you know, Sean Edwards agreed to it. Well, Sean Edwards had no authority to agree upon anything. Tim Edwards. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, so, it, it was a big learning curve. You know, that's part of like me being in the trenches for seven years and I didn't have any training. I don't know. I'm just a fucking fireman, you know, like what the hell do I know, you know, but there's just yeah. a lot of learning that I just don't know. And I don't know until I know. And Pete Bachter, you know, put me on path like, no, dude, that is direct dealing. You got to stop that right now. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. And kind of going back to the unit now, I'm, you know, was in between unit chiefs. And so now we're just hopefully going to pick it up and actually do it legit. Right. That's the thing. Let's, you know, if you want to make a change, let's make it legit. I don't want to do that directly. I'm not late. And I've actually, I, I had a conversation too. Like, I, Hey, guess what? I'm not labor. I am a representative of labor, but I am not labor. You're not the end of it. I'm not the end of it, man. No. I can help you and yeah. I can advise and I, hey, this is what's coming down or whatever. But um, yeah, that's something big, but you know, okay. I didn't do it. Like I did direct dealing, but so did they. So are they in violation? Yes. Are and that's where we win most of our arbitrations. Ah, okay. All right. That where we lose them. Is when our guys go a ride. One of the biggest costs in the last 10 years that I've been in Sacramento that to this union, over hundreds of thousands of dollars, is because someone decided the direct deal that changed the course for <laughs> 900, 900 and something plus people that now we had the fight to go. And they hinged it all that this guy agreed to it. And it's very sad that it happened. But at the end of the day, meet and confers can be very simple. Right. I mean, if you agree as long on as it. If we agree on it and it's not, it's well within the scope of the contract. That's the biggest thing. If it's outside the scope of the contract, it's probably not going to get done because none of us have the authority to change the contract outside of negotiations and the resolutions process. Just, you know, that's just the way it is. And a lot of people have to understand that. I don't have, I can't, Tim Edwards can't walk into the Capitol Mall and say, guess what? You know what? Fuck these guys. We're going to do this and that. Fuck, no, I can't do that if it's yeah. not in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, there's a process. And I think that's, you know, we just get bogged down and we get frustrated with the process. We get maybe even some people are a little frustrated with democracy. You know, it's so slow. It takes forever. I'm out on workers comp. It took me three months to just get an x-ray, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just so freaking slow. People see that maybe they can affect a change in their own power. And so they do it. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Most of it's not egregious. Most of it's in good, you know, 
you know, heartedness, but um, I think there's definitely a lot of amateur hour going around, you know, for labor and management, you know, we all just, I mean, I don't know, it should be a class. Like when I took rep class, everybody needs to go to rep class, yep. everybody, and the liaison class too, that's another one, that's yeah. a huge benefit, but there's just so much education, you know, now I hear soup, you know, soup two, there was something in the text group that came out about soup two something, but um, I think the department's trying to do some good. Isn't Nate Armstrong on that contract? He is. Yeah. Yep. Supervision level two. Supervision level two. Yep. So I don't know. I'm. They need a labor guy on the contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Or labor relations, somebody. Or well, I think they do have labor relations. Yeah, they they're need, there. They need they need true labor representation there. Yeah. Sean. Yeah. yeah. There there is. You said something. There is a lot of headiness that goes back and forth sometimes. Right. And there's a lot of finger pointing yeah right and i see it and we do it sometimes it's the unit it's that but uh, one of the biggest ones that i've dealt with was the single engine engineer house yeah you know yeah. that was that was it that was it's like listen one that was negotiated and agreed upon in an arbitration back in early 2000s yeah. times change right yeah the whole idea behind that as long as we stick to the whole reason for it was back then they weren't hiring captains they were choosing not to hire captains and just hiring engineers. Oh, I see. And, and that came about that, hey, no, you have a single engine station. You have to hire a captain. It really wasn't about the overtime portion of right. it. It was about them not hiring the captains for cost savings. So, And that's, that, that's another one of those fights that I feel every couple of years with a management change at a unit level, you have to fight again and remind, and you have to know that history, that it yeah. was about hiring that that vacancy it's not about the day here or there of mandatory overtime like tim was saying it's the history and the and the background you kind of have to revisit that and have that consistency at your chapter officer level or at least have the education the pass down to know that hey this is why this is this way and management if they're receptive go oh okay i get it and all of a sudden, you can have an engineer working a day at a single engine house. He's not permanently assigned there. Well, no, but a non-junior engineer, right? Because that's what it goes down sure. to. Well, why not? Level in, but, but here's, hey, uh, newsflash, in my division, I don't have any journey level engineers. Well, that's. So what am I supposed to do? Well, that's. Am I supposed to hold the line? No, damn it. Well, but what? no, but then, then see, that's, then where, that's where we've been talking to the department because we are moving people so quickly Yeah. that this focus on exactly what that met and what it met was hire a freaking captain so when you open a station because the seasonal station is open don't say i'm just gonna hire three engineers and no captains well yeah that's crazy right. but that's what was going on that's what that whole yeah. thing was based off of so you know i did it under um uh teeter when he was the old tyler i dealt with it under tyler when he was in, in teeter's position is listen if you need, if it, if Jordan's going to get forced and you have an extra body here that's a freaking engineer, send that engineer over and get Jordan home, right? I don't care that he's not journey. The point of the matter is that's not the point of the arbitration. The arbitration was when you have a captain there, you know, you hired a captain. Cool. Now you have someone that needs to go home. Why have three engineers sitting here? And then especially what was stupid of the whole thing is you had the department saying, oh, I got a two engine house. I'm going to take the captain from there. Leave two engineers where there's more people right. and send the captain. What I sense said, does that make? Well, it makes you, you need the captain where you have more personnel to, to oversee. Send the engineer over there to relieve the guy. But the department points fingers, right? Oh, the union won't let us do that. Well, have you ever had that conversation with the union? 
The ones that have understand what the process is. The ones that want to just blame it on the union hasn't had that conversation. And those are the fights we fight every year. I'm surprised I have not. Maybe Bachter has has had to deal with that this year. No, he I mean, has because I hit him up. I yeah. mean, I, I hit him up about it pretty early on because that's, you know, exactly yeah. what's going on. And, and, you know, part of what brought it up was our overtime procedure. You know, at the time, our unit manager uh, was very adamant about having that single engine staffing, you know, part of the procedure. Okay, great. Well, now it's in there. But I'm like, yeah. <laughs> have any journey to engineers how the hell are we supposed to do this right but i didn't know that history you know and here i yeah. am you know once again claiming my humble ignorance god bless you but that's <laughs> you why know, direct but, dealing sometimes gets you in trouble because uh, you guys come back yeah. and get get all that history of why something occurred right and none of us know all of it it takes learning process right. you know none of us know it right. all i don't know it all but it's dealing with it but in today's day and age in this department journey what is journey we have company officer training now. We didn't used to have that when we talked about journey, right? You didn't uh -huh. get company. You got the 14-day academy and you threw them in there, right? This is before we even have the training that we have today. So that concept of that whole arbitration is not based on today's working environment. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. So it's, it's going back to keeping to what the true point of that arbitration was. Hire a captain. Hire a captain when you open a station because that's what the blue book calls for. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's interesting. You know, a lot of times hiring a captain, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know what the resume review process is, but the feds get a lot more points than uh, homegrown guys. You know, that's kind of interesting too. Or in my right. case, like I literally just followed the directions. I know there's a lot of guys that like to give me crap about this, but I followed the directions and the, uh, the, uh, the, the application packet specifically said the 299, your application, and like that, it didn't say a resume, damn it. It didn't say a resume. It said to complete the application packet. It doesn't need, I'm like, well, must be doing it different this year, just like they did it different last year. Right. I, I didn't make the list. Oh, boy. I didn't put my resume. You didn't put your resume. Really? You had to know. I had to know. Well, and then, so I called the hiring line. Uh, yeah, I think there uh, might be a mistake or whatever. And they're like, well, in the job announcement, it did say the resume was, uh, you know, mandatory. Well, I'm like, thanks. Have a nice day. Click. <laughs> but I got it. I got it. I got my job. Did right, it say board. it though? It did. Okay. It did. I'm like, all right, well, read the fine line. My bad. But you know, that's part of the issue too. And I was talking to that PIO, you know, that came down the, to do the filming and stuff. It's like, you know, there's so many different ways and to get hired with Cal fire, man, you got to know the ins and outs of the Cal careers and how to do this and when to do that and how to, you know, and all this crap and it's stuff. It's like, huh? And then she, yeah, no, they're working on it. Kelly Charles working on it. Okay, great. Thanks. I just had this conversation today. I was talking with uh, one of my other officers and he had a friend who works for local government that wants to apply for us. And he applied or he thought he applied and he called my friend, my officer, and he goes, I, I think I put everything in right. <laughs> uh, there was no button or sign that said, yep, it's accepted. Like, oh, man. I, I, me. I, I think it's right. And I said, well, did you call the hotline? And my own chapter officer goes, there's a hotline? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I go. laughs> oh man. It's so complex. Like, the, our, our whole hiring process, in my opinion, needs to be streamlined. It's when archaic. I applied, yeah. Yeah, it's archaic. When I yeah. applied, it was 10 months from when I sent my packet off to Shaw Avenue in Fresno or whatever it was, is when you had to mail it in. Yeah. Before the internet. And. <laughs> <laughs> I mail it off and it was 10 months. I forgot I applied. I was applying for departments all up and down the state. And I heard back, oh, you have an interview in Riverside. I'm like, for for Riverside? Did I apply for Riverside Fire <laughs> Department? No, it was for Cal Fire. Like, 
it's so archaic and confusing. I, I wish it was streamlined a little bit, but that's just one of the things that needs some tuning. And I, I think hopefully with building these relationships with the new director and the new administration, maybe God willing, we can get this up to 2022 standards. Didn't a it bit. used to be that way though? Wasn't that considered the good old boy system where Cal Fire, we did our own hiring, but we were only hiring our own like family well, and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, well how the, um, how the grading was done was the good old boy process. Okay. Well, we, and I we, did the eHarmony. That's when I first got hired. Well, eHarmony was eHarmony. That, that came about because we lost the ability at first to hire, right? Okay. The, and we, we, we actually lost the ability to do was test because CalHR is the one that actually does the, the official hiring and stuff like that. Um, but the department lost the ability to test because they were doing that special grading on the test type things that got it was away. An interview right it was like it was well, was interview yeah. and then good old boy and then you know everything always has you know you get 10 percent more for whatever right on on the different things nice tie 10 percent. yeah exactly oh. you know <laughs> or you know yeah you know so it's a side so we the department has the testing process back and i think they've tried to make it to a point the problem is they don't do enough of them right we went to a written test now for the two in engineer and when you said you had a mail in, I actually had to drive. Back when I started, <laughs> I had to drive to every unit and put an application oh, wow. in. Yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah. The, when I got hired in Tulare, I had drove from Fresno to San Diego that day. Wow. <laughs> Putting applications in yeah. every one of those. No, actually, yeah. this last one that I did officially get hired off of, I drove it. It was after a class up here, and it's in West Sac or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. you asking me, is this easy to get to? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm like, this time, uh-uh, resume in. And I just went, and the security guard was like, yeah, is everything there? Yeah, okay, put it in. I'm like, oh, that's it? I'm done? It's old school right here, dude. I liked it, man. It felt good. So what we need to do is find either take off the list that CPF has created, an ongoing testing list so people can go in and test on that list. Right. Be on that list, and we can pull off that list, you know, to do for, it. For all classifications. Yes. Right? Like well, year round or I, I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm not an opponent of open list. I'm not. I, I, I think we need to create the upper promotion through, through the ranks. Um, I, I think a lot of our issues that I've seen has been with a lot of open list mm-hmm. people. You know, because they haven't grown up in the system. So all of a sudden, it's a whole new thing to them, and they were expecting something else. I don't think captains should be an open list anymore at all. I think we should look at closing the engineer as an open list, too, and promote through through our own ranks. Yeah. You know, firefighter think, 1 and Firefighter 2 being the entry level yeah. and going up from there. Well, and medic is obviously always going to be open list for yeah. the schedule A's. Yeah. Right. So once you do that, you should have ongoing testing. Uh-huh. Just like every other department, you know, ongoing testing for those classifications, you know, twice, three times a year is, you know, you want to be a captain in our department, then we hold a, a captain test and we rank people through there in the time we need to do it. If we have a shortage of captains, we hold a captain test and get a list developed. Just but test in like March, July, and October, you know, those are the captain you know, test months. Yeah, know. but dozers, that would still be an open list or kind of dozer operators. Yeah, you know, dozers come off the street, but a lot of our guys have been promoting from within for that. But yeah, True. dozers... Dozers are an open, you know, specialty. Helicopter pilots are, you know, a specialty, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, but I think, you know, we need to do what other departments do and promote from within and close our open list. You Can know? I get on a T&D for helicopter pilot? That seems pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that way we can that promote way. within. So <laughs> we're, we're sponsoring people to go to medic school. You know, we're not paying for them, but right. there's certain, like, community colleges that you need to be sponsored to be 
you know, accepted in the paramedic program and we're doing it. But uh, now were we against that at some point, like actually, you know, having the department pay for us like that for a, a paramedic school or p- for a particular specialty classification, would that be something that we could do? Well, here's right now there is no paramedic classification within yeah, with those, yeah. Cal Fire, right? So the state's not going to pay for that, but we can work with our cities and county contracts to to do that. When I went down to Riverside to meet with Kevin Jeffries, their board of supervisors, I said that, that, you know, you guys should be as a county where you're short medics, be sponsoring some of our guys that want to be medics through medic school, spend the money and do it. Host your own medic school. Yeah. The, the, they were not, the board of supervisor was not keen on doing that because it was money right yeah. and jeffries is a big headache for us in riverside anyway fortunately he's supposed to be ter- you know done at the end of his term but you know prime example monterey you know if they had the money pay for some guys to do it yeah but we don't have the county contract i mean monterey is like well i know but you have those lines. contracts that are paying for medics if you have yeah. medics someone's paying for them not the state who's paying for them yeah that's true that's a good point you know that is a good point those, those positions are paid for by those contracts. Just like when, you know, you guys talked about earlier about you guys are card-holding members. Then, yeah, we the, should be... The blue card. <laughs> we should be telling our contracts to keep paying you guys the, the additional money and, and the bonus to keep you available to work. Well, and I do, and I and I will. And based on that is... is Scab. Don't well, do it. No, no. It's with my EMS coordinator. So basically, he said he'll they'll pay for my recertification, PALS, ACLS, all oh, that stuff. Great. If, if I work a couple overtime shifts. Well, well oh, 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 hey. <laughs> that's direct dealing. Oh, no, but you know what? <laughs> but you know, that's that's the concept because you'll, you'll find that funny is the argument always comes back even from our members. Well, I want the money, but I don't want to be forced. <laughs> well, you can't if, have both sides. If they're paying you to do it, then well, you should be able to be forced yeah, <laughs> yeah. when needed into that position, right? Yeah. But if you're unless, of course, you've direct dealed a overtime procedure that doesn't allow that out of classification. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, I'm moving and shaking over. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, hey, Jordan, did you have any other questions that uh, from the group? I know you know. I just. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to the chapter directors. Absolutely. Every single one of them. Matt Bernard, Mario Torres. John Byrne. Solid dude. He's been working his butt off up there. John Byrne. Yep. And I know he keeps us all up at night sometimes. <laughs> with guy, the chat group. Yeah, with the chat group and all uh, that stuff. Tony Dorado. I've, I've had a lot of deal, a lot of good deals yeah. with yeah. Tony Dorado. Cannoli Martin. Cannoli. Solid. Love me some cannoli. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, this Sean Edwards guy. I, I don't know, man. Direct dealer. He, he's a direct dealer. I'm finding out a lot about him Benny today. Huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Benny Benny's got a lot of good experience and I always lean on him a lot. He's a he's a good guy to go to. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we've we've got our, our small circle here that we all kind of lean on and we throw something out, you know, we we don't know the answer to. So one of these other chapter directors has dealt with it already and, and yeah. it's 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 nice to have that communication tool and and to be working together towards a common goal so we're not fighting the same fight, you know. Overall, I think it's uh it's a real positive group we have going right now and I see a lot of Future leaders, somebody who's going to take Tim's spot one day is probably in that group, and I've I've said it to every single one of them that, you know, it's 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 great that we're actually doing this for once because there wasn't that communication previously. I don't think. Where, where did it come out? Of? You know, it actually, and I was looking at. It, I think it started in like February of 2020. Yeah. So it was pretty hardcore. Like COVID was just coming around, and we were just like, hey, what the hell's going on with just different stuff and things? But it really created this network circle for us. 
And it's been going strong for, you know, a couple of years now. So, yep. um, so if you're a chapter director out there and you're not on the group for whatever reason, or you find yourself newly elected, join us. Um, but on that, who is, who's in your circle, Tim? I have, I have a circle, you know, that b- before this text group that I've always, you know, been mentors to me and I can lean on and actually get some solid advice from, I'd like to think you're in my circle as well. I've called. Everybody you know, can call me. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know? I'll be careful on that. Be 24/7, but yeah. Well, they do, but that's all right. That's why I was elected. Yeah. You know? who's, but who's, who do you. Tim's number is 951. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Um, well, you know, I have my core group that's with me all the time, Bachter, Ben Gerwin, Pete, and Joe. Those are the state levels. But I actually call out to the Rick Swans, the race Snodgrass to kind of get history yeah. and background on certain things and the battles that have been fought. And um, I relied on Bob before he passed away yeah. to, to get some history on things. So I rely on past officers. I've been talking to Steve Slagle a lot, who was a strong, strong district uh, VP at one time, was one of my mentors to kind of give me history on stuff. So I, I utilize tools that I have. Scott Witt is a great entity to go to on yeah. a lot of things. You know, he's a very smart, intelligent guy. Um, he's, he's doing a lot. So I look at people that know the subject also, mm-hmm. that there's a certain subject, then I try to find that person to, to speak on it and get some more information oh. on. But it's, yeah. but it's, it's, it's huge. And, and, and maybe not a lot of people listening to the podcast know that, that Mike Lopez, our former president, our former Tim Edwards yeah. is now the, the, what is he? Secretary treasurer yeah, for, two, for CPF. He's the number two at California professional firefighters. And again, that's those relationship building things that, man, that's huge for us. Well, mm-hmm. dude, just what CPF has done when Brian Rice and Lopez took you know over or was, were elected in. I mean, it's been like tenfold way. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing yep. and the resolutions that are coming out and the effectiveness that Brian Rice is doing. I We went to that CPF convention down in L.A. That was awesome. That was really a cool part to be. When they got elected? When they got elected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a good time. Well, you were at the one this year. Yeah, I was at the one in Oakland this year where we had uh, the, the resolution on the table where it, it in, in brief, says uh, use use the full access to CPF or full, full powers of CPF to ensure that Cal Flyer meets their request for a 56 hour work week yeah. or meets their goal of a 56 hour work week, man. And to get every local government. Yeah. It, it, it passed unanimously. Yeah. Um, there was a couple people who, who voiced against it. Um, but Tim, Tim stood up for our membership and, and spoke to them and, and kind of shut everybody down where these people were concerned that it would be taking monies out of the state fund to, to go to us and be taking away from them. And uh, Tim, Tim straight up said, no, that's, that's not the way it's working here. We're, we're working together, and this is going to benefit everyone, not just us, but you as well. And, I mean, it was one of my proudest moments as a union officer was seeing Tim stand up and, and say what he said to, in front of that body of, uh, of union officers. It was, and it passed unanimously. That was a phenomenal resolution. Yeah. Well, I th- in, yeah, that was that and then the one where they wanted to take money from us <laughs> oh yeah that was one. another one that was that the was biggest one, one where they wanted to take money from us but i think the one thing i hope that you took out of that is what it means to have a seat at the table yeah and, and a lot of our members want to know like why are we a part of cpf or iff and it's because of people what, are trying to take away from us yeah as well. and we're at that table we have a seat and able to yeah. see it and voice it and that's what we did when we were there and we were very successful 
mm-hmm. while we were there. So, well, I thought this was fantastic. I had a great time. I think we should do it again. Yeah, let's come back Anytime. tomorrow. Let's make our own podcast, Chapter Directors. There you Ooh, go. Come chapter. back and take it over. Let's do it. <laughs> this, this is no everybody's podcast. It is. It Wait, is. Really? Yeah. So can I take this microphone? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not your microphone. It's the member's oh, microphone. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to do a little direct dealing before. <laughs> but, you know, if someone wants to come up and put something out to the membership, it's, it's their mic. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that that's something good to remember. That uh, is is kind of one of the backbones of our organization. Sean already said that it's a it's a bottom up organization, and Tim works at our direction. But what what you also have to remember is every member of our union has an equal voice. If you have something to say, bring it up to your union officers. And I got no problem calling Tim or Pete on pretty much anything, no matter how ridiculous you think it might be. Everyone has an equal voice here. If you have something to say, it can be said, and we'll listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Those 8.4 employees, sometimes they feel like they're forgotten. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's the few. I don't forget them. You know, I know we got a couple flows and a couple foresters and, you know, it is what it is. And we're just trying to fight the good fight always, but we need participation. Yeah. But it's one thing, oh, hey, I'm a union officer, but actually to show up, put in the work. Be involved. Put in the time. Man, it's tough, but we need it. That's yeah. what it is. What has this union done for their 8.4 employees, though? A shit ton. Yeah. Round 24-7. Portal to portal. That was huge. I mean, just this this contract. Yeah. Besides the wage, but portal to portal. The, and five percent mission one. pay, right? Five percent mission pay on top of it. Yeah. So yeah. we don't forget. No, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Yep. No. You know. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Well, thanks. I don't even know how long this was, Kelly, but I had fun. Did you have fun? Fantastic. <laughs> Almost two hours. Oh, oh wow. This it may be a, a part one, part two, or yeah. Yeah, that's great. We got it two might, episodes. You might need to find a part to like cut starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Tim. On behalf of San Benito Monterey chapter, no I really problem. appreciate it up here and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you a lot more. And I'm going to see you this week too. Yep. So you're going to be coming down to Monterey, my neck of the woods, and we're going to do a little town hall at the chapter yep. level. So I appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah. Sean, Tim, Kelly, thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, everybody listening, if you're on a promotional list for engineer paramedic and San Mateo Santa Cruz calls, you take that job. <laughs> we have uh, several engineer paramedic openings, fire captain paramedic openings. If you're a paramedic and want to come north, we'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks, man. No plug, for, no plug for Monterey? Same uh, Monterey? <laughs> 2.1 million acres of beautiful SRA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody.